Hello and welcome to Navigating Change from Tybal Inc. My name is Pete Wright. Thanks so much for downloading. This week, Howard Tybal and I had the great pleasure of sitting down with John Elder, VP of Administration for Berklee College of Music in Boston. Our topic, Building a Vision 2020, Strategic Planning in Higher Education. Now, the thesis is this. Academic planning has been forced to take more of a business approach to strategic planning. But that approach doesn't lend itself particularly well to higher education, with many lines of parallel activities, complex vision, and an environment that is often more decentralized and self-directed. John and Howard have been working together to drive this conversation around adapting what works in business to what is needed in higher education. We talked for about an hour, and we'll be presenting this conversation in four parts beginning this week. As such, make sure you visit us at tybalink.com slash podcast and subscribe to the show for free in the iTunes podcast directory. Just click on the subscribe in iTunes button on our site to ensure you don't miss a single episode. So without further ado, I'm thrilled to present our conversation with John Eldert and Howard Tybal on Building Your Vision 2020. I've known John sort of indirectly for many years, having participated in a national organization. And then at one point at Home Depot, I look over and there he is. And he doesn't really, we didn't know each other that well. And I said, John, because he's, you know, I recognize him immediately. And then next thing you know, we start talking and he shares with me some of his concepts. And what's, what's very compelling for me is that John has put together, I think, a way of thinking about how you execute on a vision in a way that we've talked about in the past, balance scorecard, but I think has, you know, makes it more real. And I think it's a very important uh, approach if we're really going to talk about making change in higher education. If we could just start off at the very highest level, uh, how do you both interpret what it means to build a vision for in, in higher ed? Well, my, my thinking about this, Pete, has gone back many years now. I, I was CFO at Babson College, which at the time, and still is, ranked number one in entrepreneurial management education. And of course, we would do a lot of strategic planning sessions there along the corporate model. And corporate planning you know, generally is for a business that's very monoline, very focused, very bottom line accountable. And it was sort of an out-of-body experience as we we're going through the standard uh, SWAT you know, strength, weakness, opportunity, threat type analysis in planning for Babson as an organization in the context of, context of its, of its uh, niche in realizing that how incomplete that kind of a planning process was in capturing the essential complexities and richness of a typical college campus because colleges are massively multi-line and even Babson is, you know, as a business specialty school, is extremely monoline, but also has, you know, very extensive uh, student life and athletics and, and cultural attributes and graduate programs and exec ed programs. And so the, the planning turned out to be really, you're not planning for one thing, you're planning for parallel coordination of many things. And then as we got farther into that, uh, you know, being of a I'm actually trained as an oceanographer, so I have a scientific mind about this stuff. So I kept listening to the terms being used and realized there wasn't a consistent shared set of definitions about any of the words that the planning folks were using or the management folks were using. And, and that, of course, leads to a lot of non-communication because people are both using the word goal in their meanings, but they don't have any idea that what they mean by a goal or an objective or uh, external scan means quite 
different things to the people they're talking to. So they're having skew or parallel conversations, not actually having a a mutual conversation. And that, and that got me into trying to think through rigorously what are the definitions of these terms that are in common use in planning and what are the relationships between them, you know, sort of graphically and dynamically. Because uh, when I was at MIT, the Sloan School, I was studying management science, you know, where you're dealing with the dynamics of decision making and then the interplay of decisions and the intended and unintended consequences of that. So there was a real lack of connection between what I was hearing and seeing in these planning presentations and any kind of shared understanding of what was really going on or what could have been going on. It, it seems to me, and, and you know, I'll count on both of your expertise to, to check me, it seems to me that it would be impossible to have a discussion like this, particularly when you're talking about uh, you know, how to translate issues related to and, and uh, for planning in higher education as they are, as you said, adopted from the more monoline business uh, background, uh, the for-profit uh, sort of public organization background without saying, you know, here's an, an exploration of the, the new pressures of higher education, the, you know, increasing competition, the increasing competition, frankly, from for-profit education that's coming in and, and really changing the dynamic of the entire space. Uh, is First of all, is that where some of these pressures to adopt the more business-oriented uh, approaches uh, in planning stems from and how do you mitigate some of those uh, some of those issues in in your planning process how do you rally people around you know a more multi-line enterprise and yet have the same force of of weight behind actually getting something done well i guess the the question would be what happens if you don't do that i mean if you don't understand the true nature of your organization then you're really running sort of a sham exercise and pretending you know how you're managing it but that the effectiveness of what you're doing without the absence of a coherent, complete, and rich enough vision, any interpretation of that vision would suffice as a basis for action. So if I think I know what the vision for the college is, but I only think that because I've seen a very concise paragraph that talks about we're going to be the leader in contemporary entrepreneurial management or the leader in contemporary music as a career, and I'm free to interpret that all kinds of ways as the basis for my actions. If we have a vision that is much more complete and rich um, that I can be enveloped in, then I would really understand the intent of those phrases. And so the gap lies in, at the trustee level, I've got a very tight little phrase, and at the manager and staff and faculty level where that phrase can mean almost anything, so therefore it means nothing. And that's why I think we've got to adopt, for the very reason you're saying, that we're in a much more critical competitive environment right now. And that education, if it's going to be, if American education is going to be the world leader that it has been continuing into the next decade or two decades, it has to recognize that we're under tremendous competitive pressure from new startup educational facilities around the globe who are very intent on basically eating our lunch. And therefore, we have to be much more purposeful about the way we manage ourselves. So, so what's also very interesting for me about this is when I look at being involved with presidents and their direct reports, uh, it is so much the case that presidents turn to the direct reports and say, you know a lot more than I do about the organization and how this place runs. And I'm looking to you to define what are the things we should be measuring. 
And it's, it's a bit of a catch-22 because they're looking for leadership from the president to say, where do you want to go? And he's looking for the things or she's looking for the things that we should be looking at to help refine his message. So when I'm finding myself in this dialogue, uh, I'm finding it's often a very incomplete exercise that we're in. And, you know, I have to live with it. It is what it is. But I'm curious about your point of view of that imbalance or, or that uh, that disconnect that happens between those two layers. Well, I think, Howard, we could serve ourselves collectively better if we didn't start with a blank sheet of paper every time in a planning process. So how many times have you seen a planning process start with a bunch of flip charts and they go around the room and say, well, who, who, who can give us, you know, some of our threats? Okay, I, I admit it. Can... I've done it. I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> how about opportunities? Got any opportunities out there? Right, right. Okay. And, and similarly for strengths and weaknesses. Well, what are our strengths? Well, we're damn good. Okay. What are our weaknesses? Well, we don't have any. How about if instead you started with the strengths and weaknesses and the threats and opportunities you had from your last planning session, at least yes. you'd have some continuity in history. Yes. And better yet, if you understood what strengths and weaknesses were measured relative to, and those things that you're relatively strong or weak in are part of a much larger data set, you could put the elements on there that you didn't think about the last time that maybe you should think about that are the sleepers. And the same thing on the threats and opportunities. What What is the full set of both of those things. If you started with that as a framework, then the first question, the opening question for everybody would be, gee, you got all this stuff. What in there bothers you guys? Where do you think we're okay or not okay? Can we have a conversation around a, something that is already a relatively complete starting point that, that encompasses the breadth of relevant activities for this organization, encompasses the breadth of the current state of the organization? Right. So that that you know, if I can get people to do that work in advance, that that's, that is ideal. You know, the thing, I, I just led a strategic planning uh, session, and what was really interesting was you can make an argument that the way to start is really be clear what your mission is, and then your vision for the future comes out of your mission. Or you could say, what's your vision, and then the mission that you design which may change from what it is you've been doing the last 20 years, gets informed by the vision. And I don't think there's one answer to that one. I think that, I don't think you can say always mission drives vision or vision drives mission. And, and, and I mention this only because when I, when I think about entering this dialogue, I think that has great impact. Mm -hmm. If you choose one or the other, and I think you can make a compelling case either way, because your vision, if you step back from what you're doing now, you say, let's vision the future. Your mission may be different as a result of your vision. Okay, but you cannot say, well, let's mission the future. So the words are inherently different. And by flipping order, you've changed something. Well, which order are you, when you look at starting at the top, is I, it the vision? I, I, no, I would, start with the, I would start with the mission. What do we exist yes. here to do? And then the vision is in that foreseeable future how would that mission be expressed subject to where we're starting from and how far we can go with what we got to work with given what we think is going to happen in the environment around us. Right, right. So that, that's the order of events. And then the question is, well, where do I get the information about external trends I'm going to have to pay attention to? Where do I get the information about what my current state is? And the more complete the two 
those things are, the more interesting the dialogue becomes as to what's going to happen when you put all that together and where do you want to be. See, what's important for me about this conversation and including Pete in this is that, you know, I wrote a piece and John, I think our first strong interaction was he really was being very respectfully critical about some language I was using. And I think one of the challenges is when I stand in front of a group of people and I talk about mission or vision, we do not have a common understanding of what we're talking about. Exactly. And and then but you're not having the, the same conversation at all. You're not having the same conversation. <laughs> and I think Pete, that is that is partly it seems so obvious, but if you step back and you ask the question of people in the room, you realize that there is truly a lack. It's like we're we're speaking a different language, but thinking we're saying the same things. Well, I think that's true. One of the things that that stands out for me, and I'm uh, is is this idea that the companies that really own the mission seem to have a, uh, or, or and I say institutions that seem to own the own their mission seem to have a charismatic leadership of the vision, right? You, you I think you look at an example like, for example, completely out of the se our sector, Ford Motor Company was in a disastrous and winding straight, and then Alan Mulally comes in, uh, driving not a Ford, and says, "I have a vision." I own this vision. I am the leader of this company, and I'm going to take responsibility for this mission. Anyone who is not behind this vision is going to move on. I count on you to execute through the mission, right? The mission becomes marching orders that gets communicated down. The vision has to be owned by someone. Now, I want to go back to John's point earlier that it seems to be that, that uh, you know, if the vision is something that's not communicated well from the very, very top and is not owned at the very, very top, the mission becomes something that's impossible to communicate. And you're always starting with a blank sheet of paper. Well, we talked about very, very top, and in higher education, we're talking about the board of trustees. Exactly. Or now, organization, right. And, 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 but in many cases, the dilemma here is, again, the Catch-22, their true connection to what it is, the, la the landscape, and their their ability to have a coalesced view of what their vision is that then gets translated to the president. Which, which seems so, to me to be an area of where, which is why you see educational institutions that can so easily and quickly spin into this state of confusion, uh, you know, in the absence of a cohesive and, and well-communicating, uh, a communicative uh, board of trustees. Right, so I think you... you both you guys are exactly on the, one of the other differentiating themes here, that in a corporation monoline or with multiple divisions, made of multi-monolines, basically it's a command and control culture for the most part. And people generally get told what the program is, what they're supposed to do, what the desired outcomes are. In the educational context, it is much more of a voluntary community, and in fact, it's a community that relies on volunteers in an abnormal degree, including sometimes students are your employees. And, and my point in bringing this up is that if you've got a, a very clear vision of where you'd like to be in 20 years, and you understand all the components that comprise that vision, and, you, and you're able to communicate those components clearly and compellingly, to a community that voluntarily mm. enacts or achieves that vision because you don't direct it per se. You can put out pieces of it as carrots or, or things to be desired, but the culture basically has to own 
the same understanding of the same vision, if that vision has had a chance, snowball's chance of actually coming real. So this is really a challenge in communications, is how do you take a very rich, complex organizational future and communicate it in a fashion that all the players in the game, all the participants in the community understand well enough that they can self-enact or self-enable that outcome, or they understand their piece of what they can control and what they can't control and can modify that piece in the direction of the vision. And, and so it's this management slash coordination challenge that takes you back to why it's so important to communicate thoroughly and completely something other than a paragraph about what you think your future ought to be. And so the challenge for us is how to capture that richness, hmm. take it apart in pieces that can be comprehended and get it across to the entire community, ranging from trustees and donors and alumni on one end of the spectrum, through faculty and staff and students and vendors and suppliers and volunteers in the outlying surrounding communities at the other end of the spectrum. It's actually understanding the richness of the vision. And once you know then where you're trying to go and how that differs element by element from where we are now, right. that you start to develop strategies. And so we'll talk about the differentiation of strategies, what make up strategies, and how that leads to tactics eventually. But again, this is where the terminology really matters. Even though these words are in common usage, they've got a huge array of meanings, different meanings to different individuals that is really stealing away a lot of the effectiveness of our management systems. And, you know, in, in a time when there's such limited bandwidth attention span, I think it's really important that we find a way to be very crisp and efficient in our communications. Thank you for joining us for this portion of our conversation with John Elder, Vice President of Administration from the Berkeley College of Music. For more of our conversation with John, please join us at tybalink.com slash podcast or subscribe to the show for free in the iTunes podcast directory. Just search for Navigating Change and you'll make sure you never miss an episode. Again, thanks, and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change.